Brett McKay here, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. Several years ago, Kate and I implemented a practice that has helped strengthen our relationship. It's called a marriage meeting. We got the idea from my guest today. Her name is Marcia Naomi Berger. She's a therapist and the author of Marriage Meetings, 30 minutes a week to the relationship you've always wanted. Marcia and I began our discussion with how she developed the idea of marriage meetings and why couples can benefit from implementing this habit. We then unpacked the four-part agenda of the marriage meeting, which includes showing appreciation, discussing household chores, planning for good times, and resolving big issues. And Marcia explains why you need to do the steps in that particular order. She then addresses the possible objection to meeting with one spouse in a more structured way and explains why the format of the marriage meeting is more effective than trying to discuss these things on the fly. She then provides tips and insights on how to execute each part of the marriage meeting, including the importance of being specific with your appreciation, following up on to-dos, and scheduling good times both as a couple and as individuals. Marcia then shares advice on what to do if you want to start the marriage meeting practice but your spouse doesn't, how your meetings can take as little as 15 minutes, and how to best communicate during the meeting so that each partner will feel good about keeping up this game-changing habit. After the show's over, check out our show notes at aom.is slash marriage meeting, where you find a link to an article that we wrote a couple years ago where it goes into detail about marriage meetings. aom.is slash marriage meeting. All right, Marsha Naomi Berger, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Brett. I'm glad to be here. So you are a therapist and the author of the book, Marriage Meetings for Lasting Love, 30 Minutes a Week to the Relationship You've Always Wanted. And as I was talking to you before we started, I discovered this book, my wife and I discovered this book a couple of years ago on Amazon, and we've been implementing the ideas in this book, having a weekly marriage meeting. So I wanted to talk about this because it's been a powerful tool in our marriage. So start off, like, where did you come up with this idea of a marriage meeting? Is it something you started doing with your own marriage first or working with your clients? Well, the way we first learned about having marriage meetings, my husband and myself, was when we first got married, I was already an experienced couple therapist, and I worked with individuals, couples, and families, and I was the go-to expert in agencies where I worked. People who wanted to have training and how to work with couples and families would come to me, and I would give them the tools and techniques. I learned when I got married that it's a lot different to be an objective expert than it is to be actually inside of a marriage. And we were getting along pretty well, but I knew there was room to grow. And we ended up pretty soon, heard about a class that we took for couples. It was called Time for a Better Marriage. And it was a wonderful class. We picked up a lot of ideas. There was one idea in the class that only a couple of minutes was spent on, and that was the idea to have a weekly marriage meeting. And that was the one thing that we took from it and we continued to implement. We were both comfortable with trying out the idea. And over time, we started refining it and coming up with more like guidelines and just filling it out to make it as effective as possible. And then I started teaching it to people in workshops and in individual therapy where I could coach people through the meetings and eventually started writing the articles. My idea was to spread it around as wide as possible so that as many couples as possible could benefit. And what's powerful about this, it can help good marriages become better, but it can also help marriages that are struggling to become better as well. Uh, Yes. And there is a big difference between a marriage that's struggling and a marriage that's already good. Couples who have a fairly healthy relationship to begin with can on their own read the book, learn the techniques, and have successful marriage meetings because their communication is already respectful. 
But in the other kind of marriage, maybe, maybe not, they'll be able to do this on their own. If they're not able to do it on their own, then that's a good reason to go to therapy and refine your communication techniques and your general attitude, uh, because the idea should be we're in this together. We're not fighting with each other. What we're doing is really putting energy into making the best relationship we can create together as a team. So something you start off in your book talking about is how marriage and family life has changed in the modern times that actually makes a marriage meeting necessary. So what is it about modern life that makes a weekly marriage meeting where you sit down with your spouse and talk things over necessary? Yeah, marriage has changed so much since, I would say since the 1960s, when roles were pretty clearly defined between men and women before then. The, most women used to be housewives or homemakers, and men were the ones, the husbands were the ones who brought in the income. All that has changed now. Women now are working and have a lot more opportunities to develop their professions or their careers. So people are looking for a more egalitarian relationship and they're looking for a relationship that's not based so much on practicality. Of course, we want that, but we're all looking whether we know it or for not, whether we know it or not, we're all looking for a relationship that's emotionally and spiritually fulfilling as well as satisfying in terms of physical and material needs. And what are some myths that people have about marriage that can make thinking that a marriage meeting wouldn't be useful or productive? A marriage meeting is wonderful to overcome the myth of mind reading that I shouldn't have to ask my spouse for what I want or need. I shouldn't have to tell him how I feel. Uh, for some reason, I think, I think the reason is probably that we grew up with fairy tales that made it sound like we should have a, an effortless happily ever after once we're married. But the ceremony is, is really just the beginning of, of a lifelong experience of growing together as people and as couples. And the marriage meeting gives a structure for people to say what they want, how they feel, and also to remember to express appreciation for each other. It might be thought by many people, oh, my spouse knows that I love him or her, appreciate them. But the marriage meeting has a specific time to say just what you liked, just what you value about each other. No, and I, I think too, and you talk about this in the book, I think people have this idea that if a marriage requires work, you know, being intentional about it, then maybe you're not really in love. That's not true. I mean, if in for a marriage work, you actually have to put some effort and be intentional about it. Uh, that That's true. And that touches on the myth that love is all you need. And we shouldn't have to invest energy in this. It should just all just flow happily ever after. And that's not real life. We're different people. And it would be kind of boring if we were the same. But learning to accept and actually treasure our differences is one of the wonderful things that happens in a good marriage. And also, too, you talk about, I mean, what a, the idea of a marriage, I mean, we'll talk about some of the things you do. It's going to bring up some conflict uh, because you're going to express different opinions about you know, different aspects of the relationship. So some people think, well, conflict's bad. Like you don't want to have that. But you say, no, actually conflict's good because that's how you can find out what's actually a problem. And then you can do something about it once it's uh, there on the open. 
That's right. And I think when people are thinking that conflict is bad, they're thinking of something that feels like a big fight. But conflict doesn't have to be a big fight. It can be a respectful discussion about different ideas you have about how things should go. All right. So let's talk about the marriage meeting and the structure of it. So big picture overview before we get into the specific steps, what's involved with a a marriage meeting? There are four parts of a marriage meeting and they go in a logical order that I like to think of flowing like a roller coaster where the first part, which is appreciation, that brings good energy into the conversation Each partner takes an uninterrupted turn telling the other exactly what they valued, appreciated about the other during the past week. The second part is chores or the business part of the meeting where you coordinate whatever you need to uh, that might have to have done. Like, let's say there's a leaky faucet and either uh, one of the spouses might decide to fix it or they might decide who's going to call a plumber, but things get handled that are like routine activities of daily life that need somebody to take care of. The third part is planning for good times. And most people have probably heard of the idea of having a weekly date. The marriage meeting is a time to make sure that that happens and that other self-nurturing activities also happen because it's good to fill up our tank ourselves. And then we have more to give and we become more attractive to our partners and to the world. The final part is called problems and challenges. And that is when a discussion happens where there may be some strong feelings about an issue or maybe some kind of transition is happening. And how are we going to handle this? How are we going to prepare for whatever is going to come up next in our life? And as you said, you said this, you put this in a specific order. So it starts off with appreciation. You had that good energy. Then you go into like the not so fun business part of the marriage. And then you go back up to good times where it feels good. And then you go into those challenges. You said it very well, Brett. That's the roller coaster. And we don't have to end up feeling like we're down though, because challenges, when it's handled well, you have a nice sense of completion and resolution. Maybe you don't finish everything, but you know you've made a good start and you can continue the discussion the following week at your next marriage meeting. And I do encourage people to thank each other for meeting at the end and shake hands, hug, whatever makes you feel good. So before we get into these specific, I want to dig deep into these different parts of it and how it, how it looks. But before we do that, I think someone who's hearing this for the first time, I know when I first read about the concept of like a structured marriage meeting, like it's like, wow, that seems kind of artificial. And I, I'll think, well, I can just do those things like on the fly. Why don't you think that works and you need to actually set it aside for a marriage meeting and follow, follow a structure? Oh, there are a couple of reasons that it's better not to do it on the fly or try to do it on the fly. The first reason is it's usually not possible to do it on the fly in a healthy way because one of you may want to talk about some big issue or some little issue and the other one is involved reading a book or watching TV or on a smartphone doing research, whatever. So it may not happen if you're thinking it should happen on the fly. And if it does happen, maybe you're not doing it in a way that is as constructive as you can when you're both planning ahead and you're both in the mindset that you're going to have a constructive, respectful discussion. 
Got it. All right. So let's talk about, dig deep into these different parts. Let's talk about expressing appreciation. So what sorts of things are you expressing appreciation in this part of the meeting? Well, you can express appreciation for things that are as small as, thank you for coming to this meeting with me. I really appreciate that you're willing to put a little time into keeping our relationship great. It can be a bigger thing, like, I'm really grateful to you for having listened to me so well and been so understanding when on Thursday night I was telling you about this big challenge, this big issue that I was having at work with my boss. So it sounds like you need to get pretty specific. You can't just be like, thanks for being you. Like That's not going to work. Yes. Specificity makes a big difference for people. You know it when you've experienced it. I can see it with my clients. I've seen it at people in workshops. I remember one of the guys, when I encourage his wife to change a global statement. I can't remember what it was, but let's say uh, she said to him, I appreciate how handsome you are. And that was okay. That's nice. However, when she changed it to, I appreciate how handsome you look right now wearing that blue shirt that matches the blue of your eyes and brings out how great you look. That made him that that probably brought a smile to his face. Well, no, that's what happened. He said, he said, I don't know why. The husband said, I don't know why, but it really makes a difference when she's specific. And something that can be challenging with expressing appreciation for people who've been married for a while is like you often, you probably take your relationship with your partner, your spouse, uh, for granted. And so you're not really paying attention to those things. So starting off like trying to do this, it can be a challenge for folks because they just they haven't done it before. Uh, That's true. Yeah, I I would say practice makes perfect. And uh, for some people, it is harder than it is for other people. Some people come from a background where they never saw their parents expressing appreciation to each other. It's just not part of their repertoire. So uh, it can help for them to say, okay, I know, I know I didn't see it, but I can be different. But one of the nice things about having a marriage meeting and knowing that you're going to spend that first part of it, maybe two, three, four minutes expressing appreciation is it makes you aware, like pay attention throughout the week of stuff to express appreciation for. You know, you have to, you're going to have to do it. At, that, on that is a good point. Yes. Yes. That's a good point. It becomes a habit when you think ahead about what you're going to say during the marriage meeting or when you do it spontaneously during your meeting, saying the things that you appreciate about your spouse, your mindset becomes more appreciative just about all the time. I mean, you notice during the week what you like and you start commenting. I think it is really wonderful if people can do at least one appreciation every day. It's not only for the marriage meeting, it's for a lifetime. And would you recommend people like writing stuff down if they need to? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes people would write it down ahead of time, other times spontaneous. It's whatever really works for the people. It's very good to write it down ahead if you're somebody who's going to be saying, hmm, let's see, and not coming right out spontaneously with the appreciative comments. But if you think about it ahead of time, then your spouse is going to be happy that you're able to say right away, not have to cogitate for a while about what you liked about the person. No, and as you said, like you, f- whenever when my wife and I start doing this, like, like it always feels great when we give each other compliments and show appreciation. But I, I can see it being challenging for some folks, like receiving the appreciation, because that's not something we get very often. So it can be kind of awkward. Like, what do you do? Do you just say, 
Thank you. Is that all you got to do or is it something else you need? Oh, wanted? yeah. That, that is another skill that people need to learn if they're not used to receiving appreciation or if they come from a culture where either you're saying that you appreciate something is just not done. And if somebody appreciates you, you might feel like you're bragging if you accept a compliment. So again, being aware of that and deciding that it's really worth changing how I deal with appreciation will make a big difference. All right. So that's appreciation. I, and like I guess I think it's a very, like, I always feel great when we do this part and it allows, it sets like the mood and the vibe for the rest of the meeting, which carries into talking about chores. And this is the business part of a family. Something you make a point is that people forget a marriage, a household is like an economic unit. There's a business that needs to be run like that. You got chores you got to do, uh, bills that need to be paid. So what does this part of the, the meeting look like? Well, uh, as you said, Brett, these are the kind of things you can talk about in chores. Who's going to pay the bills if you don't already have a routine for that? A lot of chores, after people are married for a while, they know who's going to do this and who's going to do that. But if you want to have something different, one of the things that I did was I realized that I was I was cooking meals every night for my husband and son, for my family. And I thought, I would like to have a night off. So I suggested during the chores part of the meeting that we have a cook's night off and somebody else cooks that night. So that's a change. And and it could be when repairs are needed in the household, if there is some kind of financial matter, how are we going to get the money to pay for this? Or, or do we want to do something different investing? Do we want to hire? Oh, this this comes up actually with some of my clients. They, they're the kind of arguments that people have about chores or frustration that chores aren't getting done. Should we hire a cleaning person or should we, should we figure out a different way to do this? We're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. And now back to the show. And I imagine it'd be useful when you're first starting a marriage meeting that every, you know, each individual person in the marriage prepares individually, like kind of list out the things they have to do and list out things that they think need to get done so that you can talk about it at this portion of the meeting. Yeah, that's a good planning ahead. And yeah, for my, my wife and I, we mostly use this time to talk about stuff we got to get done around the house, what needs fixing, what we got to do in the garden, the grass, the yard, whatever. That's, mm-hmm. And also it sounds like this, is a, this would be a good time to talk about money. Like money is one of those things that causes a lot of stress in a marriage because people don't talk about it. So this, is this, would, is this would be the time to talk about money in a marriage? If the money is causing a lot of stress, then the time to talk about money would be during problems and challenges. Okay. But if it's a routine money matter, like just announcing that the property tax is due and let's transfer some money from here to there, then it's uh, fine to do it in the chores part of the meeting. So how do you follow up on chores once they're assigned? That can be a problem in a marriage. Um, Yes, because often people think that they have an agreement when they don't have a real agreement. So you can have a chores, create a chores agreement by having a timeline for when the chore is going to be completed. So if it's going to be done, say, before next week or before a week from today, then it gets reported on in the next marriage meeting that it's been finished. If it's been agreed on but it hasn't been done, then a report is given. A report sounds like a fancy word, but it's really follow-up. Okay, I was going to do this, but this got in the way, so I'll do it by such and such a date. So you can renegotiate the timeline, but you don't have to 
sit around fretting about why wasn't this done because you're keeping up to date with each other. And this is also a good time if you have kids, talk about all the stuff that kids have going on. So practices, games, school activities, make sure everyone's on the same page there. Right. Yeah. Coordinating carpools, et cetera. Yeah. yeah I, my wife and I spend a lot of time doing that, trying to get up to date. Well, not even I mean, right now with the pandemic, the kids are home, but when they were going to school, that was, that was a very useful part of this meeting. Okay. And, and, the, and the key here too is to do this in a way where you're, you're not being confrontational, you're being objective, you're trying to you know, ride those good feelings you, you built up with the appreciation part. So you're not snipping at each other about who's doing more, who's doing less. That's right. Any snipping goes into part four. Okay. Problems and challenges. All right. So if there, yeah, something does come up, okay, we're going to table that. We'll come back to that right. part we'll, four. We'll, put, we'll, we'll postpone it to problems and challenges. All right. So, but before you get to problems and challenges, there's step three, which is planning for good times. So what are the type of things we're planning here? A weekly date, activities that you do individually, times you want to get together with family members or friends. It's basically about recharging your batteries as a couple and also as individuals. No, no, you go into detail about it, the importance of having a date night. And this is the time you'd, you'd plan that. Right. And some people confuse date night with marriage meeting. And I say, no, uh, you want to have your date night just a nice time, like when you're recording, when you're first going out. And you are kind of daydreaming out loud as much as you want to, just enjoying whatever you're doing in each other's company. And that's totally separate, different time from when you have your marriage meeting. Oh, so don't try. So if you're going like going out to eat, don't try to have your marriage meeting during your dinner date for your date night. Correct. Okay. And then this is also the time you're planning vacations, activities to do with your... Yes. Yes. That's a good point. Yeah. Vacations and... Uh, ideally, you get to take some vacations, just the two of you, and then there are the family vacations. And for some people, vacations as an individual if they have different interests. I thought this is like the whole the idea that you need to uh, sort of plan for good times for individuals. This has been very useful with my wife and I because, yeah, when you get married, you you kind of forget that part of your life. But that's what makes you interesting to your to your spouse, right? Yeah. Maybe that's another myth of um, the togetherness has to be happening all the time. Yeah. So, I mean, one something my wife and I do is like, hey, what do you got going on this week that's fun for you? Very nice. That's what it is. And so, and sometimes, I mean, sometimes I don't have anything because, you know, nothing's going on, but I'd say, hey, this week I'd like to do this with my friends. And she's like, okay, great. And then she get, has her thing, which is great about this because I think there's a lot of, con- I've seen a lot of conflict in marriages where, you know, wife gets resentful that the husband's out doing something with his buds or the husband's getting resentful with the wife's out. And it's probably because none of them, they never communicated what they planned on doing. And are they making sure to have time for a weekly date for just the two of them to nurture their relationship with each other? Right. So yeah, I think this can be another powerful tool to strengthen your your marriage. And again, it's fun. It's fun to talk about doing fun stuff together individually and as a family. Yes. When you do these things for yourself, you are filling, it's like filling up your tank with positive energy and then you're bringing it into your relationship because you're a happy person who is exuding good feelings. All right. So you've planned for good times, moving into the problems and challenges where We've talked about a lot of things get pushed into there. So, like, what are so these are are these big problems and challenges that we're discussing here? Uh, they can be little ones and they can be big ones. Okay, so what's an example of like a little problems and challenge? A, a little one 
would be, and, and I do encourage people when they're starting to have marriage meetings, start with little ones if you're doing the meetings on your own, because your goal is to have a successful meeting and feel really good about the process so that you'll want to have another meeting next week and so on until you get used to the process. Because as you mentioned earlier, Brett, it does feel awkward at first to be communicating within this kind of a structure rather than just free-flowing or on the fly. So your question about a little challenge you might start with is one partner says to the other, I'm really struggling trying to lose weight. It would help me out if you would be willing to hide the potato chips or whatever junk food you might want to bring into the house or put it somewhere where I don't see it. Would you be willing would you be willing to do that? <laughs> I'd really appreciate it. I think that's interesting. So you, so you're not only just stating the problem that you're having, but you're also asking for help at the same time. Right. Okay. Help that's easy to give. All right. And what would be an example of a bigger challenge that you would eventually work your way up to if you needed to? Well, the the major ones are money for a lot of people, sex, parenting differences, and relationships with in-laws or other family members. Okay. And I mean, I imagine you, you want, you're not going to be able to solve those big ones in a single marriage meeting. Right. But the important thing is to learn how to feel okay communicating about them, talking to each other about them in a fairly relaxed kind of atmosphere and using good communication skills that are respectful. And so speaking, like, what, what are some skills that people need to do to be able to do this part of a marriage meeting uh, effectively? These are good skills for other parts of a marriage meeting also, uh, especially I statements like uh, when you're expressing appreciation or when you're bringing up a challenge, you could say, I appreciate rather than you look good in this. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's a you statement. And when you're bringing up a challenge, you say, uh, I am concerned about or I'd like to talk about or I'd like to improve how I'm getting along with so-and-so or I'm, I'm talking about like, I made it easy about the potato chips, the I statement, I'm trying to lose weight when we get into the heavier challenges. It's, you're still I statements. And another skill is active listening. I have three chapters in my book about exactly how to use seven different positive communication skills. So I statements are one, active listening is another one where you really let the other person say what they have to say without interrupting and then reflect back what you've heard check it out. Did I get it right? And uh, it goes forth from there with the end result that both people have a chance to be the listener and the speaker, and both people feel like their position is understood. And what most people really want more than winning or being right is to feel understood by their partner. So active listening is really, really important. And it's not as easy to do as it sounds if we're used to being in a position of wanting to defend our position rather than say it, but hear the other person's also. Another skill is using your nonverbal communication effectively because, believe it or not, only 7% of what's heard in relationship-type conversations consists of the words that are said. 
Only 7% of our total communication is the words. The rest is body language. Crossing arms, making good eye contact, smiling. That can make a big difference. So if you, I mean, if you're on your smartphone while your, your wife is telling her her issue, that's probably not going to, that's not good. Right. We want, we want to put all those devices away during the marriage meeting. Well, yeah, something, yeah, that, speaking of like something my wife and I do with our marriage meeting is when we start the appreciation, devices go away, computers, smartphones. And then when the chores, then when the chores section comes, we bring them back out because that's where we have our calendaring tools. And so we'll uh-huh. have there talk about, we have like a to-do list that we share and here's what we're going to do. And then for the plan for good times, still the devices are out so that we can plan for those good times, calendar it. But then once we get to problems and challenges, devices go away and we're back to just talking and focusing on each other. Right. That makes a lot of sense the way you're doing it. Yeah. And that is a guideline for the meetings to have a system where you do record what you agree to do, whether it's a chore or a date, where you're going to go, when you're going to go when something will get done uh, because it's so easy to forget to do things if there's no reminder. And, and so going back to the, the problems and challenges, I think the powerful thing here is that you, you, you're probably not going to resolve in these issues uh, in a single meeting, but you got it out there and like f- people will probably feel understood and that can go a long way into resolving the issue or problem in the long run. Exactly, because what most problems boil down to are that somebody doesn't feel valued or appreciated. And when they feel understood and listened to, it just changes the whole atmosphere. Changes the tenor. And as you said, with the the problems and challenges, even though you're going to have some some conflict there, but you can resolve it or, or handle it in a productive way, you don't want to end on a negative note. You want to end on a positive note with this part. Say, hey, thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. And then end the meeting that way. Yes, that's really important. So we talked about, I think, a good overview of the meeting, what's involved. Like, how long should this take? The very maximum should be 45 minutes. Sometimes people, when they first start having the meetings, they have this whole backlog of issues that they want to talk about. And uh, it's not productive when people get tired. That was something that my husband and I discovered when we first started the meeting, um, not just to limit the time, we were pretty good at that, but um, we would have the meeting sometimes really late at night and we'd get tired and cranky and not very constructive. So my husband actually came up with the idea that we should have the meeting early enough that we're both alert and uh, feeling positive. So, so that's another guideline is to make sure that when you have the meeting, you're feeling alert, you're not tired and you're sober and really bringing your best self to the meeting. All right. So no more than 45 minutes. Yeah. Our meetings last like 15 to 20 minutes, usually sometimes longer for planning a vacation or dealing mm-hmm. with like got a lot of chores, but yeah, no more than 30 minutes. Yeah. Usually no more than 30 is, is true for us also. And I, I think that's for most people, once you get used to the structure of the meeting and you are prepared for what you're going to talk about, it um, ours are also often are 15 to 20 minutes. But in order to keep them 15 to 20 minutes, in order for there to be these things to be effective, you got to do them weekly. Like that's, exactly. where, that's where the power is at. I think so. Some people don't do them weekly and they're still happy. But I think for most people, Weekly is good. It's easy for things to build up. And if misunderstandings are allowed to continue, then grudges can build. So it's it's just wonderful to clear it up every week. All right. So let's say someone's listening to this and they're like, I want to do this with my spouse. So they present the idea because I've heard this happening. 
guy reads, you know, the we reads the book. Uh, they, they I want to do this, but then their wife's like, "That sounds dumb." It's like, what do you do if one person in the marriage doesn't want to take part in this? The first thing to do is to recognize why the person doesn't want to do it. What's getting in the way? And often, what's getting in the way is that the person is afraid that he or she is going to get a long list of demands to do this and that and do it differently. Or they're afraid they're going to be criticized and it'll be just a blame thing and and why should they subject themselves to that? So it's important to assure the person that this is not what happens in the meeting, that it's to be constructive and it's a time that both of them will get to feel valued and appreciated and they will get to clear up any misunderstandings that happen and that the marriage meetings actually promote more intimacy and better teamwork and respectful resolution of the kind of challenges that come up in any relationship. So that's one thing. Another thing is to try for just one meeting. Don't say, let's start doing this for the rest of our lives every week, because that could sound pretty overwhelming if somebody's afraid in the first place. So how about let's just try one meeting, okay? And if the person agrees... Be sure to load up on appreciation in that first meeting and remember the challenge should be an easy one that the person will be happy to help with and do plan a date. And again, make the chores simple too. There shouldn't be a lot of chores in one meeting. No, maybe two, three, but not not a whole long to-do list because think about what really needs to be done in the next week. And for the challenges, also one challenge maybe two at the most. And again, really, really important to make it easy and learn how to use the constructive communication skills, preferably before you have your first meeting. And I mean, what have you seen any, like the gender dynamics here? Do like do you see like wives really appreciating this? Like when a, when a husband like, hey, I want to do this. Because I feel like oftentimes wives feel like they're dragging their husbands to get stuff done or do this type of things. Like, does it really mean a lot to a wife when their husband's like, hey, I want to do this thing to make our marriage better? Oh, I think it means a lot to the wives to have their husbands want to do it. And it can mean a lot to a husband to have a wife who wants to do it too. It's, it is it is usually the husband that's dragging feet a little bit at the beginning, but sometimes it's the wife, especially if, if she's not comfortable talking about her feelings or she's kind of uh, passive about saying what she wants. So it turns out that both people will benefit. Husbands are especially appreciative marriage meetings in general because the husbands tend to hear a lot from their wives and they may not feel comfortable entering the discussion with as much enthusiasm and as much um, as many words as, as the wife. But the marriage meeting levels the playing field and I encourage whoever is the less verbal person in the relationship to take the lead in the meetings to announce each part of the meeting and to speak first about what they want to talk about in each part of the meeting because that gives that person a share of ownership. And men really tend to like the structure of the meeting once they get into it because it does give them a voice uh, that they might have felt was lacking before. I like that. Well, Marcia, this has been a great conversation. Where can people go to learn more about the book and your work? Uh, they can learn more about my work on my website, which is marriage meetings with an S on the end, marriagemeetings.com. 
And if they want to get my book, it's on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, and it may be in a local bookstore. It's in a lot of libraries. And oh, and it comes in an audio version now. I just recently had an audio book made of my book so people can listen while they're commuting or doing things at home. If they're not so interested or if they don't have the time to read, they can listen. Fantastic. Well, Marsha Naomi Berger, thanks so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. It's been my pleasure too. Thank you very much, Brett. My guest today was Marsha Naomi Berger. She's the author of the book, Marriage Meanings for Lasting Love. It's available on amazon.com and bookstores everywhere. You can find out more information about her work at her website, marshanaomiberger.com. Also check out our show notes at aom.is slash marriage meetings, where you can find links to resources where you delve deeper in this topic. Well, that wraps up another edition of the AOM Podcast. Check out our website at artofmanliness.com where you can find our podcast archives. And if you'd like to enjoy ad-free episodes of the AOM Podcast, you can do so on Stitcher Premium. Head over to stitcherpremium.com, sign up, use code MANLINESS at checkout for a free month trial. Once you're signed up, download the Stitcher app on Android or iOS. You can start enjoying ad-free episodes of the AOM Podcast. And if you haven't done so already, I'd appreciate it if you take one minute to give us a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. It helps out a lot. And if you've done that already, thank you. Please consider sharing the show with a friend or family member who you think would get something out of it. As always, thank you for the continued support. Until next time, this is Brett McKay reminding you not only to listen to the AWIN podcast, but put what you've heard into action.